Are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven-figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. What is up, everyone out there in Facebook world, podcast world? I hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, as you can see, uh, my cohort, Josh, is not with us. He uh, He's still a little under the weather. For those of you who don't know, uh, he's been sick for a week or two. And uh, it stinks to be sick right around Thanksgiving time, uh, for sure. So if, you, if you're the praying type, keep him in your prayers, prayers uh, and keep him in your thoughts and uh, his whole family and everything. Uh, with that being said, I am super excited to have uh, Mark on the show. And we're going to talk about something that's one of our, eh, I know everybody loves this topic, and it's uh, our taxes. And uh, the thing that I love about this this episode is the fact that we're going to talk about how we can reduce our taxes and what we have to pay out and everything. Uh, before I get started, though, I wanted to mention yesterday I got this shipped to me, and I, and I I want to mention this because it's uh, something that we do. It's part of our automation process that sometimes I just completely forget that it's done. Part of our wow packages, whenever someone purchases something over. A certain dollar amount. Um, I think it's like maybe five thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, a package similar to this gets sent automatically. So Service Titan notifies to your success, and then to your success sends out a um, a packet of coffee and a cup and everything with our logo and all that that good jazz on it. And I don't talk about to your success enough. Um, and I think that it's just one of those things that's like so. It's, it's a great product and um, the automation part of it. So like when you open it up, they, they have a bunch of cookies in here. Um, you can set it up for coffee or uh, candies or whatnot. And the thing that I love about it is the fact that it is automated. And so you kind of can set it and forget it within the, uh, within the platform. But I wanted to mention that they're not officially a sponsor, but anytime I need help with anything, uh, to your success, the, the guys at to your success, they're amazing and they're always willing to, to help us out. But enough with that. I thought it was really cool and it was top of mind. And I was like, you know, what? I, I need to mention that uh, on the show. But uh, today we're going to talk about taxes and um, more so like how to pr how to reduce your personal income tax uh, by 30 to 60 percent. And that's without hiring a new CPA or um, adjusting your uh, investment strategy, that type of stuff. So uh, I'm super excited to, to have Mark on the show and and learn more about Mark. One thing I will tell you, though, that uh, my um, my introduction says uh, Mark's a former Marine, but we all know that you're never a former Marine. Like once a Marine, always a Marine. Like I'm an airman and uh, I've, you know, as I got out of the Air Force, um, it's one of those things where we don't take it quite to heart like a Marine does. But, uh, <laughs> I, I welcome you to the show, Mark. Terse, thank you so much. Thanks for your service. Hoorah. 
Hoorah, yeah. or Simplify. We're all in the same uh, on the same team, defending our our country together. So thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely, man. So tell me a little bit about uh, Peak Profit Solutions and how you even got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah, great question. I'll try to keep it as as <laughs> succinct as possible. But uh, you know, essentially, it's interesting. People ask me that question all the time, and you know, when I tell them my background, they they're like, "Wow, how did you get to where you are now?" I mean, my background: I went to University of Florida and got my undergraduate work in exercise physiology, got my master's degree in sports management. Yeah, so that like, doesn't did, sound like taxes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, how did you get to where you are? Well, interestingly enough, you know, when I when I finished my graduate program, I moved to the big city, Big Apple, and I started working for a club company that was New York only, a really high end fitness club uh, okay. called Equinox. And they're in a lot of big cities now. And um, they only had 11 clubs. So I essentially at the timing that I had with that company, I ended up moving to Los Angeles and opening up a number of clubs for them in Los Angeles, Hollywood, Huntington Beach, Santa Monica, you know, all these premier locations. And in the process, I essentially became a business operator. You know, I was running the clubs as an owner operator would. So I was responsible for driving revenue. I was responsible for managing expenses. I was responsible for EBITDA margin. And I was actually incentive, you know, my incentives were based on margins. So I really became a good operator of a business. And, you really uh, need to learn those margins. Yeah, and and yeah. like, it's not just, uh, here's my P&L. Like, uh, I need to know that so that I know if I'm getting screwed over or if I'm going to make some money and all that. That's a hundred percent right, Tur. So essentially what I realized, you know, after about a decade of running other people's businesses is that, Hey, I, I think there's a lot more uh, opportunity for me to grow financially to run my own. But instead of getting into running, you know, another fitness club and competing with these multi-million dollar brands. Uh -huh. I said, you know what? I talk business owner language. I understand it. So I'm going to be a consultant to business owners. So I initially went out and said, I'm just going to be an, a specialized insurance producer, you know, high right. level insurance, buy, sell, premium finance, uh, key man. Um, and, but not be a securities license. I didn't want to do the whole broker dealer, you know, series seven. So okay. from that point forward, I really just grew. And over time, as I've traversed all these conversations, I started creating relationships with, uh, you know, advanced tax consulting groups. And every single group has a specific area of focus. So I've accumulated over a dozen different relationships over the last decade. And, um, and I use those. So I essentially, I'm a tax architect. I'm not the CPA or the attorney, but I will lead the clientele that I'm working with to the right groups and blend mm -hmm. the work together to make sure they have the additional layers of defense that they need. That's really cool. A lot of people don't even realize that this is even a thing. Uh, it, it's it, a, a lot of people don't think about a tax attorney until they have tax issues. Like they're in like bad, bad with IRS or so they get that dreaded letter. Like, uh, you're getting audited and, uh, please provide seven years worth of you know, <laughs> <laughs> history. Right. And you're like, uh, crap, what did I do with last year's taxes? <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, like, and then for your, for your role is such an interesting role. You're the connector for, for this. Um, I guess what, um, let's run through your process of like, just, I mean, you can use me as an example, like, um, like, Hey Mark, I, I'm, curious how I can reduce my tax burden by, you know, 
30 or 60 percent like what what do i need to get do to get started like what's our first steps and how to per, share that progression along the way yeah great question tersh uh be happy to so the first questions that i generally ask are you know how are you structured you know what kind of entity do you have or do you have an entity a lot of our clients you know might be sole proprietors but you know they might also be llc owners or s corp owners very rarely in the small business world are you going to find a c corp owner but mm -hmm. it, they're out there because we work with, you know, our groups work anywhere from small business all the way to like medium size, like really, you know, hundred million dollar companies or, you know, just a few hundred thousand a year. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at how they're structured because a lot of what are, a lot of what we do is legal in its approach. Um, so we're not looking to replace the CPA, you know, gotcha. we're essentially looking to add that additional layer of defense. And depending on how they're structured, we immediately may see an opportunity to create a new pathway for them to receive a portion of their profits at a lower tax bracket. So that's, we look at structure. And then the next question would be Tersh, you know, on any given year, you know, what, what do your revenues look like? What is your uh, net, you know, net income for the business look like and how much, you know, approximately how much tax liability do you have? And those, those three things will give us an idea of kind of what directions to go in with regard to the different solutions we can bring to the table. Is there typically a, uh, an amount of years in business before your services are um, warranted? Because like even like the question you asked there, what's your typical yearly revenue? Some HVAC companies, uh, when they first start out, they may have, you know, well, I did 200,000 last year or, but my goal for this year is 2 million. Um, you know, and, and so it's like, uh, what, what, what are we going to do? You know what, you know what I mean? So is there like, Hey, do you have three years of trends like that we can look back on or something like that? Good question. I think the only thing we really need to look for is their current year success mm. and ideally their, uh, their confidence that they can repeat that. And mm. it doesn't need to be, Oh, well, when you get to $2 million in revenue, give us a call. No, it's more about, are you going getting to a point where, you're going to be moving $50,000 or more of profit to yourself per year in some way, shape or form, whether it be part salary and part income above salary. But that's usually the lowest threshold we usually start with because they're paying, you know, $15,000 or so in taxes. Mm -hmm. We start working on how we can, you know, start being more efficient with that. But, you know, most of our most of our heavy hitting clients, you know, once they start paying taxes on, you know, 200 plus. So they're hitting that forty, fifty thousand dollars Mark, you know, sending that check to the IRS, the federal and the state. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, 40,000 to the feds, uh, 10,000 to the state. That doesn't feel too good. Once right. we start, when we start getting there, that's when we can really start integrating a lot of different strategies for them. Okay, cool deal. Yeah. So that, that helps out a lot too, because once, I mean, with, I feel like the small, when we went back when we were smaller, when we were first starting out, um, most of, most of the times our CPA was like, Oh Yeah you know, we figured this stuff out and like, you don't have to pay any taxes this year. Um, we were able to write it as a loss. And is that kind of the strategy? I mean, you can only depreciate things so much. Um, and it, sometimes we get, we become successful by mistake. So it's like, um, yeah, we, we we're at the $3 million mark per year. And it's just because we provide really good service and we happen to have enough demand um it's but we don't really know what we're doing when it comes to taxes you know what i mean it's <laughs> like 
I, I don't know how I did this. I got it here by mistake. Um, and I hope that I'm not screwing myself up. Like, does that Absolutely. make sense? I, it does. It does. So, so very much so. And I can give you some examples of, uh, of experiences that I've had working with, with business owners just like that. So yeah, share, share a couple of those examples. Cause that's where I feel like a lot of our audiences and, um, I've even been there myself where it's like you come into the, the CPA's office. I mean, hopefully you're doing this conversation quarterly, but sometimes it's yearly. And sometimes you filed the extension and it's October and your first time walking <laughs> into the CPA's office. Uh, so very true. Before, so, yeah. um, Sounds like you got some experience in that. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that once, maybe twice. Um, and uh, so it's like, yeah, but like you should have done this stuff in January and like all year long, it's October now. So you're screwed. Um, so yeah, share some stories that, that you have there. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, at least 50% of the time when we're working with a, a small business owner, that's built their business on their back. They've worked very hard. They provide a great service. And of course, when they provide a great service, people come as you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and all of a sudden they got a tax problem. They didn't, and it just snuck up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is generally when we're dealing with that situation, they're likely not doing quarterly meetings with their CPA. And even if they were, their CPA probably has a lot of clients and they don't have the bandwidth to do a lot of forward planning. They do yeah. as much as they know to do, but they're not really saying, Hey, we need to look at these additional solutions and integrate those in. They're usually going to be saying, Hey, what more, what other expenses do you have? Uh, oh, we can take that. Do you need to buy any equipment? Right. Because we could section 179, that <laughs> right, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. more like spend a dollar to save 35 cents. So yeah, well, it's, a- it's also like, Hey, uh, go buy a new truck with what cash? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, so you have a cash flow problem too? Well, let's <laughs> revisit that also. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so when that happens, to, I mean, essentially it's kind of a nice conversation because we can say, Mr. or Mrs. Business owner right now, all this, you're the way you're structured, your profit that flows to you from your business is kind of like a waterfall, whatever you don't buy and expense out to business expenses and then maybe defer in a qualified account. It's a whole nother conversation, which we don't have. We don't take over the advisor's role. We actually give them more money to work with. So that's why a lot of advisors like us. Um, it just waterfalls down and hits that 1040. So you think about that punch right between the eyes. It's like, okay, here's your profit and here's the federal tax bill. And if you're in a lovely state that has the state tax on top of it, you're going to have that as well. So, and it's retail. I always say that's a retail tax bill. So what we do is say, um, you know, Tersh, hey, let's look at the wholesale pathways because you may or may not know this, but 55 of the top Fortune 500 companies last year, like Duke Energy, Nike, to name a few, um, they had billions of dollars of profit or hundreds of millions of dollars worth of profit. They paid zero federal income tax. Instead, they got rebates. So how how are these 55 companies navigating that much profit and paying zero federal income tax. Well, they know some things that we don't know yeah. and they have high level legal planning. So the, a lot of the groups that I work with, one in particularly has 40 years of experience at Deloitte. And 15 wow. years ago, they said, we're gonna take this knowledge and experience and we're gonna help that 9.5 million small to medium sized business owners out there. They don't realize that they could create a new pathway. They mm-hmm. could have another entity that essentially earns money from their main entity, but that entity, is created simply for their family and their family can take a whole bunch of benefits out of it that yeah. are essentially ta- much more tax efficient. Some of them tax free than actually 
utilizing them in their main business. And sometimes they can't even utilize them in their main business because they're not legally structured the right way. So it's, we're always looking for new paths to find, to move their profit to themselves. So you're saying an uh, individual would even create another business entity separate from the actual business itself. 100%. Okay. All right. And so what about um, like hiring, hiring kids, our children to do certain jobs now? Can that be done within the business or would that have to be done within the, the second entity or that you kind can, of muddies it a little bit, I think maybe. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and, and generally speaking, when you're starting to look at the fringe benefits, because about yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. 20 different ways in the tax code and they've been there forever. Right, right. And you can essentially take benefits from the company and deem them not taxable because they're not profit or income or salary. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, some of that is paying kids. Some of it's like, hey, we can actually reimburse college tuition, you know, all these different things. Uh, any dollar amount over your HSA, like if you have out of pocket medical expenses, those could be tax deductible over, you know, things that you generally have limits on. Mm -hmm. They all go away. So it's really, you know, case by case. But at the end of the day, we don't usually recommend putting all those policies in the main entity, because when you start putting those policies in there, you have to you have to offer them to everyone in your company. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when we carve out and say, hey, we're just going to have a service company like a consulting based company or management company, which is totally fine. And a lot of these policies are going to be written in. So they're really just for the benefit of the family mm -hmm. and whoever they want to add into that company. So it really becomes more of an exclusive. And this is what owners of large companies have done for decades. They have yeah, oh yeah. a marketing and management company and it peels out, you know, hundreds, See, 200, I've heard of people. I, I know personally, I know people who have these other entities, uh, for the license aspect of things, but we've never had the conversation of the tax ramifications that come along with that. Because, um, like in certain states, you like, like if the let's say I, I I'm in a state where I have to be um, the license holder, or the business owner has to be a license holder uh, in order to have bring on a new trade like plumbing but I don't have the license. So I want to bring somebody in. I've heard of people taking and, and having another entity that they, that person is a partial owner in that entity. So they don't bring them in as an owner of your big corporation that you've been building up in case there's any kind of needing to separate in the future. But I, I haven't heard the conversation of specifically about um, the taxes and feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just what I'm just spitballing here, but I feel like it may add another layer of protection or security when it comes to tax auditing. Is, is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. Because now you're looking at your P&L as an aggregate and you're not looking at profit from just one business. You're looking at profit from multiple businesses. And the idea behind the other businesses are that they're going to be uh, net zero companies yeah. because the whole idea is that they are doing and providing a service to the main entity that is uh, is legitimate and has economic substance. So there as actually is work being done, but the idea is that you're able to extract the profits from those entities because there can be more than one depending mm -hmm. on what they need to do at a much lower tax bracket. Some being tax free fringe benefits and. You know, if we want to get into like a little bit bigger cases, we're looking at what the bigger companies do, which is profit relocation. So a lot of bigger companies, you know, 
why is Apple in Ireland? Well, it's not because they want to hire Irish citizens, right? <laughs> why so is a tax benefit to be there to yeah. open up business there? Okay. Exactly. All the big companies have divisions but, of their company in would more you tax have, efficient areas. Probably not a small business, like a, like a mom and pop HVAC company. You probably wouldn't get into that, even if you were in the $20 million range. Yeah, you know, we can. It's interesting. We have the one of the groups I work with, which is the predominant group. Um, they have the ability to turn key uh, the profit relocation scenario, and essentially they're duplicating what the large companies do. Because, okay. and the reason why they do that is because they actually help the large companies do it when they work with Deloitte in their first twenty-five years of business. So they know exactly how to do it. They just said, said you know, a, a, a smaller company just doesn't have the bandwidth. They don't oh, have, yeah. you know, to go get the grants and and set up shop and basically what is the company going to do? And then how do we, how to, you know, how do we manage it? And then of course the end, other pro side is, well, how do we, how do we access those profits at that lower tax bracket? So they turn key it. So it's almost like I've seen, we've had companies that shift as little as 150, $200,000 of their profit. So, you know, obviously you need to have four or $500,000 of profit to start thinking about that solution, yeah, 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 yeah. but for as little as that we can start saying, hey, you don't have to do all of the work that your company is currently doing in your current main entity. We can carve out some of the work that you're doing, do it better, do it more efficiently, because that's the key. It has to have value. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is that other group, that's the other division that's doing the same, you know, doing work that you were doing in-house, what's being done in the economic development zone, and they have a, a the right to earn profit. So let's just say you're paying bills and those bills when you generally pay them from your main company and you're paying out, say, a million dollars a year in vendors, right? Vendor costs yeah. and expenses. Mm -hmm. Well, paying from your main company in Georgia was just an expense. Have a procurement company in an economic development zone. The same expense goes out, but that procurement company can charge a uh, an invoice for doing the work. So now you're pulling profit from your Georgia company oh, to your yeah. economic development zone. And now you want the profit to be earned in the economic development zone because maybe there's a 4% corporate corporate tax and maybe okay, you can take yeah. the rest of the tax exempt dividend. So that's yeah. where it's like, you're starting to do what big companies do, but you're working with a company that could just plug you in. You know, it's like, yeah, we have the, we have the whole setup. How, how big of a space do you need? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that makes, and that's the thing that whenever I think I know when I talk to business owners, the conversation that we have will have is like, how, how do you like, how are this person making money and they're showing losses and, you know, or they're, they're showing profits, but they're not, you know, getting killed. And then when you, when you even dabble into any of the conversation, a lot of times it's like, okay, but then are we penalized when we actually take the money out of that company? You know, are we robbing Peter to pay Paul essentially and to create more busy work for ourselves? And that is the key. What I, a lot of times when we're doing analysis work for, for businesses that have started to get a little bit more sophisticated, it's like they have five or six entities and you're like, why do you have this entity? Why do you have, well, this is a leasing company. This is why, but, but the, the net result still flows to you at a retail tax rate. So maybe you have a little bit more asset protection because maybe your leasing company is an LLC and this, but there's no real tax benefits. So we're always looking at you know, everybody has their KBIs and their key performance indicators and their profit centers. Hardly, hardly any small business owner, because the big businesses do this. Yeah. But small businesses, they the, one of the profit centers for big businesses is their tax bill. 
that's a profit center because right and reduce, people, people are like uh we think this is a dreadful time and they're like let's make some money off this exactly so we basically what i like to do is say hey we can bring that big company approach to a smaller company and turnkey it and not say hey you have to walk away from the cpa that you know and love mm -hmm. we're just adding these additional layers in and as the company grows we can actually add more layers in but at the end of the day going back to your question is we're not looking to create entities that are just moving the ball around we want to make sure that this entity is earning earning more of the profit over here because we can take some of it as tax-free fringe benefits at zero tax. Maybe it's earning it over here because it's in an economic development zone and we can take it at a lot lower corporate tax plus some tax exempt dividends. I mean, we could even get trust scenarios involved as well, where you can have a part of your company be owned by a trust and that trust can give the business owner significant advantages as well. So it's a lot of things so that can be done. Tell me this, uh, what happens? I, I've got like a thousand questions that keep popping in my brain, but uh, the last thing that you mentioned there, especially with the trust and everything like that, what happens whenever we have um, a, a business acquisition scenario? Like, do you run into that very often? And is it like, all right, here's our, our five accounts. Here's our 10 different, you know, things. Um, but you're only purchasing the main corporation or you're purchasing all of this, you know, or do you, do you ever see a scenario where they're like, uh, you have six different, you know, entities like that's shady. I'm not, I'm not buying your business or that's too confusing. I don't want to purchase your business. Have you ever seen that type of scenario? Great question. And I actually have that question, uh, sometimes with business owners that, uh, we're working with that are saying, Hey, you know, we've been doing this for a while and we're not ready to stop yet, but we're probably going to be looking to sell in yeah. three, four years, maybe five yeah. years. How, how's it going to work with this, these different divisions? You know, one is obviously for our family. Yeah. So it's an easy conversation church. We say these divisions can be shut down just as fast as they can be set up. Okay, cool. It, so the, what the, what the acquirer is really buying is your, is your base company, gotcha. but you're yeah. showing them an aggregate. You're saying, Hey, here's, Here's where all our profits going, and a lot of times they say, "Well, we want to keep that. We want yeah, to keep yeah, that yeah. division like going. That like, let's keep that, that going because it it the tax benefits move to the new owner, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't have to. Let's just say they don't like it. They're like, you know, I just want to uh, black and white. I, I mean, not that yeah. this is not black and white. This is right, this, right. it is tax code stuff. But <laughs> you're they're just like, you know, I just like paying retail. I don't want to do anything <laughs> outside of uh, you know what what I know. And right, so, right, but right. but I will say this last thing on that church is that becomes a whole nother conversation because a lot really? of people, a lot of business owners don't um, realize that they can legally eliminate or defer depending on the situation, the capital gains tax that they have to pay when they sell their business. And I always yeah, get that, that. That's a question that like we've had several business brokers on the show and they're like, it's very important the way it's worded when you sell your business or when you're purchasing a business because of capital gains tax, like not as much the purchasing aspect. Well, it, it's the, the seller doesn't want all of this stuff, but yeah, keep going. Keep, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you were, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, essentially I'll get two scenarios, a business owner that's like, Hey, I heard you, you got, you've really good at tax efficiency and I, and I have a big tax bill and, and I'm like, great. Tell me about it. They're like, I sold my business about six months ago and I'm going to have to pay taxes on, you know, a million bucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen more. Some of them say $20 million, but mm -hmm. some of them say, you know, a few hundred thousand doesn't matter. They still have to pay capital right. gains tax, which is generally going to be at the lowest amount, 23.8%. Exactly. But in other states like California, 35. 
Um, so that's a big chunk of change for something you sold that you worked your whole life on or a long time to build. And that's when I'm like, well, I can help. Um, but it, it would have been, I could have helped you a lot more <laughs> if you told me before you sold because yeah. it's assignment of income. It's essentially saying, Hey, when you're structuring that sale, the seller doesn't really care who they're paying as long as they acquire the business wholly. Yeah. But when you're, if you don't, if, if the income is assigned to you, Mr. Business owner, then the tax bill is due as soon as that payment is made. But if you can assign or convey, and it doesn't have to be all of it, it can be a portion of the sale into another environment where it's, it's controlled. Like you might not own that environment, say it's a trust, mm -hmm. but you control it fully. Well, there's no taxes due. So essentially you can bifurcate the tax bill, either a hundred percent or a portion of it by simply assigning or conveying a portion of your interest of the business into another environment prior to the sale. And now you can actually put that money to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, well, 30% went to the government. Now I can put it to work. No, right. I got almost all of it and I can put it to work. Or you're, you, know, you're I, you, you sold and you're like, all right. So the way my calculations work here, I need <laughs> about $500,000 to rip, to live out the rest of my life. Right. And you're like, okay, so when I sell the business, I'm going to make $500,000. Oh, guess what? 23% of it's going to the taxes. Oh, so I'm short 23% of my 500. Now I got to get another job. Like so. 100%. We can basically <laughs> take that 500 and say, guess what? Let's put it over here first. Let's put the assignment of your, uh, of your asset in here first, which you can fully control. So now the 500 makes it in here. And then you can start, you can start reinvesting and in, in, in earning interest without gains. And then depending on the structure, you know, it may be that you're just paying taxes as you take money out in little pieces, Yeah. you know, or it could be, you know, some structures are, are efficient in, in almost eliminating tax, but that's a whole nother, more complex conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the things that you mentioned early on, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to it because I know we can get into a rabbit hole with this conversation, but I really want the audience to, to, to catch it and um, really just gnaw on this for a, a hot minute. And that's the fact that you mentioned in the conversation um, about visiting your CPA quarterly. And you even mentioned, um, that a lot of CPAs can kind of be stretched thin and they're at their, like they're at their limit of being able to offer additional services. Uh, I, I'm guilty of it. Um, now I have a CPA that's 300 miles away from me, but I've, I've been the person who was like, Hey mom, who did you use? Who's your CPA? Like, Oh, it's Sally down the street. She does our, you know, and she gets online and does her taxes once a year. And so like I, I, I've used Sally because she was right down the street and she was cheap and would do my taxes once a year. Um, but a CPA in the grand scheme of things shouldn't cost you money. Uh, they should make you money um, and they should you should be meeting and they should be proactive instead of reactive. And, and you mentioned them being at their like just getting their taxes and, and even meeting quarterly, they just have enough bandwidth to react to what you've already done. And hopefully you didn't wait a year, almost two years because you waited until October of the previous <laughs> right. year's taxes stuff. Uh, and, and so um, I would just, I would preface that with like, Hey, look, somebody might say, yeah, it's going to be $2,000 to, to use the CPA or whatever. I mean, it might be, you might be used to, 
used to paying a couple hundred bucks and then someone says it's two thousand dollars but that cpa may actually be someone who's proactive and they may make you an additional ten thousand dollars so just keep that in the back of your mind whenever you're you're thinking about this entire situation as far as if you're getting to that point to where numbers are getting big um, or bigger than where you're comfortable and you're like okay i need to hire a cpa um i will tell you that uh it's probably been two years ago now, maybe even three years ago, I had a guest on the show and we, and it, something he mentioned that really stuck with me is having, having your five people. And we all know that we are the five people that we surround ourselves with. But one of the things that he, he mentioned was have a good banker. That, that's your first name basis with have a CPA. It's the same, have a tax lawyer and an investment uh, advisor that does the same exact thing. And then a, a mentor. So like, that's just something that really, really stuck with me. And I'm not even like, I don't have an amazing tax lawyer or anything like that, that I'm really good friends with. If anybody's listening to this and your tax lawyer, you know, hit me <laughs> up. But uh, I, I, I'm, it's just something that really resonates with me. And like, it's do as I say, not as I do type scenario, but I can speak from experience. Like you don't want to be calling out to tax lawyers. You don't want to be calling out to a CPA when you're in pr trouble, you know, with the IRS type stuff. Uh, and, and it's the same with, with Mark here. Like I, I'm loving this conversation because it's very proactive work versus reactive work. And a lot of times we stay so busy in our businesses because we're putting out fires. That's what I, I, everybody says. Like I can't do X, Y, and Z because I'm just busy putting out fires all day long. Well, if you're proactive in your taxes and, and all of this investment and stuff, you're less likely to have to spend the time, putting out fires, um, because you're, you're being proactive in this situation. Um, and so I, I super appreciate you, uh, coming on the show, Mark, and, and sharing all this information with, before we go though, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, because it's something that I know I'm thinking and everybody else is thinking with me mentioning with the CPA and the cost difference, what typically is an investment? And I know that's going to range because you can't charge a $200,000 company the same as you charge a $200 million company. But what's a typical investment in this process and getting it, the ball started and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the good news is the first step is a complimentary consult consultation. I only need 20 minutes of someone's time to determine what pathways are readily available. And depending on those pathways, there might be a small retainer to get the work done initially to get the analysis work done. And we're talking like a few hundred dollars. Maybe oh, yeah. if it's a lot of analysis work, maybe, uh, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred dollars not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But the good news is we're not going to do the analysis work. I'm not going to even ha allow for the analysis work to happen unless I know proactively based, based on the information that I, the conversation I've had and the facts that I've found from the, the complimentary analysis that mm -hmm. we're going to save them, you know, depending on the size of the business, 30, 40, 50% of their current tax bill. So we always look at, always look at in percentages. And I'm thinking when I'm talking to a business owner, I'm saying, and I'm, there's likely a 20% reduction. We could have 30%. So if they're paying, you know, easy math, if they're paying a hundred thousand dollars in tax, I mean, obviously not everybody's paying yeah. that. Let's say they're paying 10,000 in tax, yeah. but I'm looking at, Hey, we could probably carve 30% off of that. So if that's 3000 or if they're paying 50,000 and it's nine or 12,000 or whatever it is, uh -huh. well, if they know that they can, do some uh, analysis work for a few hundred bucks and then maybe engage yeah. with us for a couple of thousand bucks. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're saving 
three times more in the same right. year. So we're talking about a ROI in the very first year. So I always go back to investments. Well, when you gave your investment advisor that, you know, thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> and you're like, I hope it can give me 6%, you know, but, but you might lose all your money too. I'm saying, well, this is pretty much a, a, a guarantee. You know, we're using tax law to take that dollar that you're using for us to help you structure better. And we're going to give you back five from tax now, savings. Or once, uh, once the relationship has been initiated, uh, is it typically like you can typically figure it out within that first year, or is this something that you need to do an analysis every year on? Most of the strategies that we put in place, when I say we, it's the core group of uh, yeah. tax because we tax attorney, we tax attorneys, CPAs, etc. They um, they're evergreen. So okay. once the structures are in place, it's like, hey, you continue to use this for as long as you're in business. Now, of course, if tax law changes, <laughs> well, because it yeah. does, it's oh, a yeah, moving, yeah. it's a moving. You know, yeah. it's like the fairway might shift a little bit, and you don't want to be in the rough. You want to be in the fairway. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have like most of our groups I work with have retainer packages where they can stay on, or you can just go back with them every year or so and do some. Say, hey, just want you to reevaluate what you put in place for us a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. If anything's changed, let us know, and they essentially shore them up. So there's always an ongoing opportunity to stay engaged because again. CPAs are just, they don't have the bandwidth to, to know what the latest um, mm -hmm. court cases specific to this tax code that's in 70,000 pages that yeah. maybe not everybody even knows about to begin with, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so tell me this, what happens if you get into an analyzing our situation and uh, you're like, Hey man, look, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Your current CPA is garbage. So <laughs> uh, I recommend this person here like do you have that ability like or if i come to you and say hey look um I don't, I don't have there's no love relationship with this cpa um sally she's just sally like i, I, don't, <laughs> right. I don't really care uh if i need somebody else can you recommend someone to me yeah and here's the thing and i want to make sure this is really important uh, to communicate the goal for what i do and what the groups that i work with do is not to put the current professional on notice on blast. That's it, right. It's more to just evaluate what's currently being done and provide additional layers of efficiency and integrate. So, you know, there's going to be times that we might see that the CPA was really asleep at the wheel. Um, <laughs> but that's not that, you know, normally it's not because we're really doing things that most CPAs really don't have the licensing to do. They're not attorneys. So, but I'd say every once in a while we'll have the CPA. But here's what normally we run into is you know, only two or three out of the 10 CPAs out there are for thinking and know that they there's more things they can do that are outside of their scope. The other seven or eight or nine, sometimes it's nine, yeah. out of, you know, nine, <laughs> you know, one out of 10. They're like, well, if I don't know about it and I don't understand it, I don't like it. Exactly. And now the business owner has got to make a decision. And that's when I say to the business owner, hey, it's your decision. You're the business yeah. owner. But I can tell you, I've got dozens of accounting groups and CPAs because we work in all 50 states and we've been doing this for 16 years for mm -hmm. small businesses. I would love to have your business that already have clients that are doing this. Yeah. So, and that's that's something like in, even within our peer-to-peer our -peer coaching groups, there's certain people like people I'll hear them say like, my CPA would not would not allow me to do that. Like my CPA wouldn't let me, you know, write off a van wrap as marketing expenses. Like it, like it's like they would just say like, well, my CPA won't let me do this because it's not like, that's not how they've ever done it before. And like, if it's not that way, they refuse to do it. And it's like, 
are you working for them? They work for you. Like, <laughs> how's right. this relationship work again? <laughs> That's right. Well, I look at too. Terse, this is one of the things, the analogies I use is, hey, if you were to, if you were to look at your primary care medical physician as the end all be all, you probably would run into some problems down the road because yeah. you might need some neurology assistance. You might need some ear, nose, and throat assistance. Uh, and God forbid you need oncology assistance. Or yeah. you know, there's there's specialties. Right. So CPAs, I think, are good general practitioners. But the reason why they they have never really been apt to refer to specialists, because most of the specialists say you don't need your CPA anymore. Come with us. Mm. So now what we do is say we will be the specialist that doesn't take business away from your CPA unless, yeah. of course, they're being hard headed. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you it. are you realize that you don't really they're not valued to you. And then we say, hey, we're not going to become your CPA, but we have dozens of CPAs we can refer you to. Why don't you interview these two? They already know us. They already have clients that work with us. Maybe you'll like one of them. So that's yeah. kind of how we roll. Sweet. And um, website, best place to get in touch with you. Peak Profit Solutions. So Peak Profit Solutions. That's solutions with a S at the end. Uh -huh. Peakprofitsolutions.com. Peak You'll have my ugly mug on it. A little bit about me some and some ways to schedule a, a complimentary consultation if you want it. Mark, man, I appreciate it. I, I've gotten tons of knowledge out of this and and even thought about things that I've forgotten about in the past that I need to rekindle relationships with people. So uh, huge shout out to you. And, and I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. This has been my pleasure, Tersh. Thanks so much for hosting such a good, uh, a good show. <laughs> Absolutely. If anybody has any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to Mark. I really, this is one of those things that I, I really believe that's going to be a, a massive value for you. Um, if you have any questions for me, as always, don't hesitate to reach out to me as well. Uh, with that being said, I hope you have a wonderful and safe week until we talk again next time on Service Business Mastery Podcast. It's a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. Until we talk again next week, be safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.